Do you hear me loud and clear? I do. I do hear you loud and clear. That's good. You know, there's been a, a, a Apple Studio display. There's been a lot of discussion around sort of the wonkiness of it. You know, once we got past the webcam uh, drama of just like yeah. So you know. that so the webcam took up like a month. <laughs> that yes. was like April. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now it's pretty widely available. I mean, you can go in an Apple store and get the 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 standard configuration pretty easily. It seems like, um, of course, the nano texture or the um, better stand. You can't. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but there's been a conversation I've I've heard you know I've seen on Twitter and in the community. So uh, I wanted to discuss an issue I had last week when you and I were about to podcast, which was uh, we were using. What is it? Streamyard to record mm-hmm. our, our call <laughs> over the internet? Yeah, Streamyard is like an online recorder that can be used to directly stream to YouTube. Yeah, and so when when we did Happy Hour Live, uh, those episodes, we did that through Streamyard. Yeah. Uh, but you can just use it to record offline, so it's just like an an alternative. Because something that didn't really get enough press was that Zoom started making people pay for one to one calls over forty minutes long. Mm-hmm. And I'm still yeah. like I thought when they announced that that would be like headline news and everyone would be freaking out about it, but I've barely seen any coverage of it at all. But that impacted us. We tried Streamyard for a little bit, and uh, we thought that we actually hit a problem last week that was Streamyard's fault. So do you want to describe <laughs> what kind of happened? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I already don't love Streamyard because you can't use it in Safari, so you know that's just a preference. Um, but you sounded like you were coming through uh like like am radio you know super low quality uh radio and and i sounded that way to you and when we recorded our local audio we didn't hear that so it's like ah well i guess it's Streamyard. something's wrong with maybe it's bandwidth or an issue you know on on their end and so I said, well, I know how to fix the problem. And I paid for a year of Zoom. <laughs> I think it was like they, they had an, a, a special offer for people that were already members, but, you know, moving to the paid plan where it ended up being about $100 instead of 160 or so. I don't know. Um, but anyway, <laughs> got all set up with Zoom like like we usually do. Uh, and, and like you mentioned, the the 40 limit. 40 minute limit for one-on-one calls is what hit us because our podcast is longer than 40 minutes. Um, and I guess a lot of other people were on like three or more calls when they were podcasting or using it, you know, more mainstream. So they'd already paid for the premium. So they already yeah. had to pay. We were just, because we were one-on-one, we were in that bucket of free and they, they caught on to us, but, uh, <laughs> the pandemic to, freebies are over. <laughs> that's right. Uh, moved to zoom all excited. Cause it's like, oh, well now we, you know, we're back on zoom that we're, we're, we're comfortable with and, uh, still had the problem. <laughs> so at that point it's like, huh, it's not the service that we're using to talk to each other on. And, um, which, which we just kind of laughed about. It's like, oh, well, at least, at least now we fixed the, we don't have the StreamYard problem. <laughs> and and it didn't seem like internet, even though at first, like when we first joined the StreamYard call, I was like, oh, Zach's internet's being bad today. Yeah. But because then you also could hear me badly. I was like, oh, this is this is something more complicated. And then, yeah. we, of course, you, like you said, we went on Zoom. And it wasn't just like both platforms were transmitting in bad quality. They were like identically bad quality, like yeah. <laughs> 64K AM radio, like incredibly yeah. compressed. It kind of reminded me of... um like ios iMessage voice memos before they did that quality update a couple of years ago like before that it was like it was like so compressed it was like a classic phone call but digital is so bad and it's like where the heck is this coming from on this (laughs) thing we tried stream it and we tried zoom and they're both messing up on on both ends which is the weird part yeah and recording luckily just fine and at which point i think you said well let's just do it let's just record because i think you're losing your patience and i said wait i have one more idea and i unplugged my usb microphone that i've used since the beginning of this podcast uh from the uh apple studio display and i plugged it directly into the macbook air and voila it all all was resolved (laughs) so it was the studio space fault yeah, which was an identical configuration to the previous week, which had no issue. Um, so somewhere along and, and the way... And we're obviously not using the Studio Space microphone or anything. <laughs> that's right. Just the USB-C port out to the microphone, um, headphones to the microphone. It was the exact configuration as the previous week. The only thing that had changed has, has had a week had gone by. And um, the fix was uh, ultimately to restart the, the apple Studio display unplug it and plug it back in and uh here we are this week it's fine so which you know 
which makes me, you know, reminds me of the, the sort of debate that people are having uh, about the suited display, you know, um, and say AirPods or HomePod, where there's no power button. The it is the solution is just to um, pull the power to reboot. In the case of HomePod, at least you've got a, a software solution to restart. For AirPods, I guess the the fix is un unpair and repair. Um, but yeah, there, there's the, the talk about should the display have a power button and the Thunderbolt display never had a power button because it's just powered by, you know, it's, it's it, it only works when you plug in uh, a computer to it. So that's the same thing with the studio display and the same thing's true of the the Pro Display XDR. So where I land on that is if you connect the display to the Mac, I would like to have in, in you know, system preferences or system settings a way, you know, just a button to to reboot, to send a reboot message to the display. Um, because like the equivalent of the restart HomePod button in the Home app, for instance. Right, or on yeah. the iPhone, you've got to restart your iPhone that way as True. well yeah. in, in the settings. Uh, and I don't think the solution is a button because the we want a button because the thing's buggy, you know, and they've got some issues to work out still. You know, we hope that the... The camera fixes or the camera improvement isn't the last firmware update that I think there's still work to be done to make the pseudo display as solid as you it would expect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, and, and, you know, I would say if you have a button that, you, you know, you hold it down and turn it off and I don't love that. I think, I think then you've got, you know, different states of power on power off, but connected and that's just more complex, but uh, that they, that they definitely can do this without a power button. You know, it's yeah. I mean, no power button is the Apple way. Yeah, that's how that's how they that's how it should idealistically be. But as soon as they have bugs, it bites <laughs> them in the backside because it's like, well, now you're not given get out clauses or you know easy escape patches. The manual power unplugging is uh, annoying, especially as the studio display doesn't let you unplug from the display end. You have to unplug right. from the wall, so you yeah. can't just reach behind and do it. You have to go all the way to the wall. Yeah, and for me, it's like I can reach it from where I'm sitting to unplug it from the wall. Not a big deal. Um, but, I, you know, it's perfectly reasonable to have the end plug somewhere that is hard to get to because you don't think you, you're not putting it there to unplug it and plug it back in all the time. You know, you want it out of sight and out of the way. So so that's no good. But... And this is a $1,600 monitor, remember? So Good minimum, yeah. It's not – it's hard to excuse any issues like that because – you know, a display acting as a USB-C hub is not a magical invention. There's plenty nope. of displays that have USB ports in them that can relay back to the laptop. Yeah. Yep. So, because if there were problems with like the the Apple Studio displays, camera and webcam, which are being like controlled by the you know A13 chip in the screen and stuff like mm -hmm. that, being relayed that way, I'd I'd still think it was unacceptable because it's you know really expensive device, but. Is at least more understandable the fact that people are just like like what we had where your the, the accessories you plugged into the USB ports were just misbehaving and unplugging and replugging display was the solution. It's just crazy, like yeah. Because what because what the and, and that we had that on like the Thursday and then a couple of days after it kind of bubbled up to the press about like the other like studio display related issues that people are having in general. The big one seems to be like audio, so mm. people using the studio display speakers. Um, obviously, they have like the spatial audio, like multi-speaker array, which when they work, sound pretty good. But mm -hmm. a lot of people are reporting that audio gets choppy or crackly or it just stops entirely. And the only way they can get it to work again is to unplug and replug. And even sometimes when you unplug and replug, it doesn't work. And you have to do it every unplug and replug a couple of times. Then it fixes itself. And then a few weeks later or a few days later, it happens again. And you have to repeat the power cycling. Yeah. Which, yeah. And we are, what, in... August now, <laughs> so mm -hmm. the, the, this laptop, this uh, display is not brand new. So first, you know, first, um, first impression kinks and like early, early adopter kinks. There should have been time to work them out, but they're still hitting them. And Apple support doesn't really have a good solution at the moment, other than to just like <laughs> unplug and replug. Like, there's no guarantee of a software solution, or that they're really working on it. I mean, they have to be working on it, but it could be like they haven't given a time frame for it. Yeah. like a firmware fix or anything the apple the aware part is is a good sign that they've they've not 
concluded that the display is completely finished in terms of firmware and <laughs> inside. So that's good. Um, the, the solution though is to get a HomeKit smart switch and then you tell Siri to turn it off and turn it back on and, and then you've effectively <laughs> unplugged it and plugged it back in. Um, and then you need a you need a smart switch connected to the HomePod so that can re- be rebooted every yeah. three months as well just to yes. work yeah. out the AirPlay 2 issues on that. Yeah, I, I did have the issue with the HomePod mini stereo pair recently where um, one plays volume independently than the other <laughs> and i i would ask it to i asked siri to change the volume and it was just like i can't do that <laughs> it knew there was a conflict it just couldn't resolve it and and you said well, unplug it and plug it back in so i did that which of course could have been restart through the home app so yeah. you know the physical aspect wasn't quite there but um of course the the easy the, the fastest thing to do in that case was to yank the cord and plug it back in um and, and but, i know people have different um like every every person's experience is different but yeah homepod reliability is generally I, i'd say acceptable like it's not perfect but i personally don't have like i don't have to be i'm replugging in my home pods every you know month do you know what i mean it's like a once yeah. a year twice a year kind of deal yeah. so i'm i'm okay with that like obviously it'd be better if they're completely bug free but it's not it doesn't it doesn't happen so often that it becomes a frustration like yeah. the, the studio display is only out a couple of months and you've already had to reboot it so <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and i've actually have you done actually, it since this time as well this is not the first time I've yeah. unplugged it because I've moved it around. Like I even took a trip with it, you know. So it's moved from um, like different places in my house. It's it's moved on on trips with me. Um, when I you first had between it, the studio display and the, the between the Mac Studio and the MacBook Air, so. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, yeah. So it's it's probably I've seen those three dots more than than most people. I think when it when it first boots up, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's a thing. And um, I think you noticed something else about the charging situation she yeah yeah a, a positive about the display <laughs> in the macbook air is i was looking this week I was, I was charging the macbook air with the magsafe you know cable the one that it comes with of course and um i've been really happy with that sort of had the the the, the night you know just just pleasant pleasantness of being able to look and see you know oh it's orange and now it's green so it's fully charged so i can unplug it because it's closed and i'm not using it anymore anyway so that, that's cool with mac safe you know it's a return of what we had before the 2016 um macbook pro redesign and um and, and also just just uh plugging plugging it in plugging in the MagSafe cord you know connector with the thunderbolt ports especially because they're not in the back now like like the the furthest back <laughs> they're a little bit inset from the because MagSafe is there. Um, I'm often sort of like feeling around to where to plug in a USB-C uh, accessory, um, including the the to the display, the studio display. Um, but I've but I've been really happy with the, you know MagSafe as a connector again. I don't love how easy it is to unplug. Like I've been um, you know have my kid crawling around me and um, he's just accidentally unplugged it a bunch of times in a row, and I'm like. You know, then I realize oh, I need to give this more slack because it's being removed too easily. But I do love MagSafe in that, you know, you just kind of put the, the, the plug close to the port and it just, you know, sucks it in with, with by being magnetic. Um, but I was looking this week and I was when, when I was charging over over the, the MagSafe connector and I was thinking, what is what is the brick that I need to get fast charging? Because I know um, it's pretty restrictive on the 16s MacBook Pro little bit better on the 14-inch MacBook Pro, and I wasn't quite sure what it was for the MacBook Air. And it wasn't like I really need to fast charge it. I was just wondering, just you know, just so I know what is the brick if I ever wanted to do that. Um, and I looked it up, and what I was surprised to learn is that when you connect the MacBook Air to the pseudo display over the, just the Thunderbolt cable that is required, that gives you the fast charging as if you're using one of the the higher uh, wattage adapters. So for the MacBook Air, you can get fast charging with uh, a 67 watt adapter. And of course, the one it comes with, I think is 30 or 35, um, 96, of course, 140, of course, will do it. Um, but also uh, Studio Display and the Pro Display XDR with just a Thunderbolt cable. So that's pretty cool. I was I, I I did not know I was already fast charging when I was at my desk, and so now if I want to, I, I haven't you know sat down and measured the, the different charging times and you know how how long it takes to recharge, but you know I'm just kind of trusting it. Like okay, if it's compatible with fast fast charging, then if I want to charge quickly, plug it into the to the, to the uh, display and 
and um, especially if the lid's closed and it's not not being used at all. So, or if it's you know asleep, that's that's pretty good. So I was happy about that. Yeah, um, and that doesn't apply to the like the six inch MacBook Pro because the yeah. MacBook Pro's battery's a lot bigger, so it needs a higher wattage to actually fast charge. Like because to reach fifty percent in the same like thirty minute time span or whatever they classify as fast charging, yeah. you just need you, the the Thunderbolt. It's not good enough for that. That's why they ship the 16-inch with 140-watt power adapter. <laughs> it's the only to, one that will fast charge it, yeah. Yeah, and that means only over MagSafe. Right, the, yeah. The, the Thunderbolt ports on the machine can't do it. They max yeah. out at, like, the 96. Yeah, and and so that that kind of brought me back to, you know, USB-C again. And it's like, oh, well, you know, it, it just reminds me that MagSafe is just limited to, to power, you know, right now. And... That e- even though there's those pleasantries of the you know magnetically attaching and detaching and having the status light for um, your, your charge, uh, that you know I, we're still in a world you know even though they've added MagSafe back, USB C is still I think has more utility. I, I do wonder how much of the motivation for bringing the MagSafe port back was just so they could do the higher charging speed on the 16 inch. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure it wasn't the only factor, but it definitely must have played a role. Like. Yeah, wasn't wasn't there a thing with the 16s when it first came out that there was there, there is a higher spec for power delivery where it could have worked over USB C, but they weren't using that yet. I don't think it's like it wasn't quite final. Officiated is like it like drafts stage, so yeah, it's not yeah. ready yet. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So MacBook Air, the best computer Apple's ever made. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, I don't. I you I that the fast charging situation hasn't been a factor for me. Like the laptop mm-hmm. gets has a long battery. I can charge it at perfectly normal charging speeds with a Thunderbolt dock, and that works out for me. And it's very rarely where like I take the MagSafe um, charger with me on the go, just because it's more convenient when you are at about to plug it in, and maybe yeah. if someone else knocks it over, then you know it's just going to pop out and not be as much of a an issue. But I'm not taking it because of the fast charging aspect for me on the like the big beefy laptops being able to charge super fast isn't a a priority you know yeah i i could see you know a situation where I, i'm not charging it on any kind of a schedule it's just you know whenever it's low i charge it back up but um i could see where you know i want to leave the house for a, a while and i want to make sure i've got full batteries and you know no matter what i'm doing it lasts and i could see myself plugging it up to the display just to fast charge so that it tops off quicker than if it were on magsafe uh, in that situation but just good to know. I, I it immediately eliminated the urge to buy a, a, a pricey power adapter just just so that you know faster charging was an option. <laughs> Happy Hour this week is brought to you by Collide. The challenge with endpoint security is that it has always been difficult to scale, and that only got more challenging once remote work kicked in. How do you effectively manage remote employees' own devices? Well, you need visibility into your fleet of devices in order to meet security goals and reduce service desk tickets. But how do you get that visibility when different parts of your company are running on different operating systems like Mac, Windows, and Linux? The answer is Collide. Get started at collide.com slash happy hour. Collide is an endpoint security solution that gives IT teams a single dashboard for all of their devices, regardless of their operating system. And it gives you real-time access to your fleet's data it can do things traditional MDM solutions simply can't. And instead of installing intrusive agents to lock down devices, Collide takes a user-focused approach that communicates security recommendations to your, to your employees directly through Slack. This is much more employee-friendly. Collide is the perfect balance. You can answer every question you have about your fleet without intruding on your workforce. Visit collide.com happyhour to find out how. That's spelled K-O l-i-d-e dot com slash happy hour and if you follow that link they'll hook you up with a goodie bag just for activating a free trial that's collide.com slash happy hour thanks to collide for sponsoring the show happy hour is also brought to you by ladder you know i started wearing glasses this year because my eyesight was getting worse and it kind of hit me oh damn i'm getting older and stuff like life insurance somehow feels immediately more relevant life insurance gives you peace of mind to know that your family will be taken care of if the worst happens. Ladder has taken the life insurance industry, modernized it for a digital world, and shook out the inefficiencies. As you are reminded just how fragile life is, it makes sense why people get life insurance, especially term coverage, which is surprisingly affordable. You just pay a little bit each month to protect the ones that you love. If you're thinking about this stuff, then why not choose Ladder for your life insurance plan? Ladder is a 100% digital service when you apply for $3 million in coverage or less. That means no doctors, no needles, and no paperwork. It's all done online. You just need a phone or laptop to apply. 
you fill out Ladder's application form, and their smart algorithms will work in real time and tell you instantly if you are approved. Ladder has no hidden fees, and you can cancel any time. You can even get a full refund if you cancel within the first 30 days. And Ladder's policies are issued by insurers with long, proven histories of paying claims. Ladder's customers rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot, and Ladder even made Forbes' best life insurance list of 2021. So if you've been thinking about getting life insurance, Ladder is the place to do it. If you aren't sure but you just want some more information, go on Ladder's website, fill out their online calculator, and you can see the costs and terms of the plan with no commitment. And as the cost of life insurance goes up as you age, now is the time to get it done. So go to ladderlife.com slash happy hour today to see if you're instantly approved. That's spelled L-A-D-D-E-R-L-I-F-E dot com slash happy hour. One more time, ladderlife.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Ladder for sponsoring the show. This week in iPhone 14 news, we have even more evidence that the iPhone 14 Pro will have an always on display um, this is provided by uh, the way certain wallpapers behave on iOS 16 beta. Uh, I think 95 Mac was the first to uncover mm-hmm. this, right? Yeah. yeah, there's been um, a few different stories about this. So 95 Mac and Felipe Esposito covered the wallpaper behavior. There's also been some similar always-on discoveries about how like the betas already support always-on mode for the complications. So you can like fake this iOS 16 simulator on a Mac to go into the always-on mode and it like basically desaturates the complications, takes them black and white, etc. Um, but the cool thing that um, Felipe found was that the... So the wallpapers, we, obviously we call them wallpapers because that's what the feature is, but in previous versions of iOS, wallpapers were you know, static photos and the system would animate them with a uh, like a perspective zoom or if they were live photo, you could play the video and you long press, but like the raw wallpaper was just a static image. With iOS 16, that's all changed. Now the wallpapers are like mini apps because they have like continuous parallax and 3D. So that's how like the astronomy wallpaper, in quotes, has like 3D environment and the earth and it kind of like revolves towards you as you unlock the phone. The weather is obviously animated and dynamic. Photo albums and, you know, you can have a series of like slideshows that change every time you wake the phone up. So they're like mini apps that run at basically the lowest layer in the UI. And... What Felipe uh, kind of invoked was a sleep mode, which will be used for when the iPhone 14 Pros go into the always-on state, which is like an alternate variant of these lock screens. So instead of rendering with full color and full vibrancy, they render in a more subdued state. So the example we have in the story is the clownfish wallpaper. So obviously you know what the clownfish looks like. It's nice and colorful and bright uh, in the the scene enemy. And when it goes into the always-on mode, it goes way, way desaturated. So it's mostly like black with some hints of green and you can just about see the outline of uh the fish uh, the time's still quite vibrantly bright but that's what you can imagine you'll see when the iphone 14 is in its own ways on state just sitting on your desk or something so it's very reminiscent to how the apple watch behaves but it's cool that it's cool to see it in action you know and i think that like the the treatment they've done on the clownfish wallpaper looks looks pretty cool mm-hmm. yeah and you, you're the one with the Apple Watch that actually has always on. If you have a photo face, the photo is still there when you're in the always on state, right? It doesn't go completely black. Correct. Is it? Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, the, the watch uses the, the effect where it's, it, it dims and shrinks a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind, of, kind of strange. But the photo is still visible, right? Yes. Yeah. Because some Android phones, when they go into the always on mode, they only show the time with no background at all. Um. But it seems like the iPhones, but that's not that's not true of all of them. Other ones do show more. But it seems like the iPhone's going to be basically like the Apple Watch always on, but obviously filling an iPhone screen. So you you'll get like shades of the wallpaper. You'll get your uh, lock screen widgets, and you'll get the time. Um, or you can turn it off and <laughs> get the. Or most you can turn it off and have complete blackness. Yeah. Get get the most out of your battery. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, the always on state on the Apple Watch doesn't change the battery that much, and that's, the Apple Watch that's battery true, is way is, uh, smaller one than the iPhone batteries. You know. Yeah, it's sort of annoying if you want to, you know, you want to go into that use your watch for multiple days mode. Turning off always on display. It, it, I mean, it's dumb that it frustrates me, but it does. It doesn't save a lot of battery because <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell. In theory, it, it yes. seems to save about like what like five to ten percent, maybe. No, it's I not. don't know if it's ten. I think it's five. Like I've really, I've, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously, although the iPhone's battery is big, its screen's also bigger, so maybe it will yeah. make more of an impact. But I imagine they'll be able to do smart stuff where, like, if it detects it's in your pocket it can be basically turned off 
and if it's like detects that it's face down it can be turned off so it's only in those cases where it's like sitting there maybe it's already on the charger and it's just showing the always on state while it's charging or on your desk or something and they can actually light it up apple's very conscious about battery life stuff they won't mm-hmm. They won't compromise the battery life of the phone just for this feature. They'll have coordinated it, coordinated it. And this is going to be why it's going to be iPhone 14 Pro only because the um, LTPO panel, the OLED panel in those phones will be able to ramp down to one hertz refresh rate. Whereas if you look at the iPhone 13 series with ProMotion, they can only go down to 10 hertz. So uh, for battery life reasons, Apple's only been able to achieve it on the iPhone 14 models. Obviously, uh, you could make the argument they should have put the one hertz panel in last year, but you know that's not what they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But still, I'm 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 looking forward to. It. I think it's cool. Yep. Uh, Apple earnings happened uh, after we we last recorded, and uh, I think they're maybe more interesting than we than we thought they could be. So, <laughs> do you want to unpack what happened there? Yeah. So they're not the most ex- like the most exciting earnings are where they like do really badly <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is funny to say but it is true because that's when they're on the back foot and having to explain themselves and they have to institute all these programs and policy changes uh this quarter it comes under the context of like the global economy kind of going down <laughs> right mm-hmm. and especially tech companies have been s- suffering loads of companies have announced like hiring freezes or layoffs as they see revenue slowing including like massive big tech companies like google and microsoft and stuff and you know we spoke about hiring rates at apple also supposedly getting you know metered down and frozen mm-hmm. but if you look at apple's current results a, a, lot, a lot of the hiring stuff is anticipating declining revenue and profit for like the next year right because mm-hmm. a lot of people think we're going to have like proper recession in the next year or so um but if you look at apple's earnings for this quarter they are pretty good and they I'd say they about met expectations. What was interesting, the stock went up about 3% after because there were some areas where um, they they overachieved, especially when it came to iPhone sales. But top line revenue was uh, 83 billion and profit was 19.4 billion. So you don't have to worry about Apple going out of business because they got 19.4 billion in, in a quarter. They'll be all right. What was interesting is that guidance was stronger expected. So a lot of analysts were thinking that Apple would suggest that the next quarter would be more of a downturn, i.e. they're they're waiting. Everyone's waiting for signs to see like economy and inflation are going up. We're waiting to see like mass consumer spending going down. And that's definitely happening in some segments. But at least right now, Apple isn't showing it on their books Uh, specifically. And this was the thing that really drove the stock price up. Um, in the days following was that cook said they'd seen no slowdown in iphone sales so iphone sales came in at 40.67 billion that was up three percent year over year so you know three percent is a small increase but it's better than it being negative and a lot of um analysts were expecting that number to be in decline just because Mm -hmm. they you know the iphone 12 series sold so well um so it's a hard like comparison to the previous year and all this talk of, you know, all this real, not just talk, the the real impact of like energy bills going up, discretionary spending has to go down because a lot of people won't be able to afford it. So, But at least right now, Apple is not seeing weakness there. And they said they especially saw growth in developing markets and China rebounded a lot because Chinese economy was particularly worse in, in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. But what I will say, that being said, I did see some signs that maybe they weren't quite sitting on stable ground as maybe they were like portraying because apple has recently updated its uh checkout experience on the apple store website and changes the apple store generally come when they're trying to like juice sales a lot of time so they add in like trading programs they've redesigned it to like focus on that stuff there wasn't anything like super conspicuous but if you if you go to check out for an iphone now on apple.com the old design where like you'd have like the little picture on the left and then all of your like customization options were just in this like right hand column and that would just like scroll in a little bit and you check out that still applies for like ipad and mac and every other product but if you do it for the iphone they have this like completely different checkout experience now we've got really big photos they they kind of have more descriptions about how to choose models what colors to pick what storage you need like more they have little videos now from like apple store geniuses or you know people acting as apple store geniuses to like upsell you on higher storage or where specialists would upsell you a genius which yes sorry yes they are specialists yeah Um, you're welcome and and by the way i don't believe they're actors i believe they like internally hire specialists like on a temporary basis to do this stuff so they they do work at a store somewhere i don't think they're just like completely fake actors yeah they work at the visitor center right across the street 
or the yeah well they, surely not every single actor works at the visitor center because in, in if you go on the uk store they have all the people replaced by english people so well if you, okay well everyone yeah, so, they're, they're all in la they are yeah actors, at least the american ones are all in la that they cast and yeah they're, they're all they're all actors in la which can be <laughs> no. yeah. they're just they're just from they're just apple tv plus extras that get a little mm-hmm. bit of extra mm-hmm. work um, so yeah, several, when they they changed that, I was like, oh, maybe they are trying to juice themselves with the you know, checkout flows. And the big thing that I think on this is that in the bottom right of the screen, there's now a button that takes you direct to um, the online chat thing. Like you know those websites where they have that little like <laughs> circular avatar in the corner. It's like yes. talk to our specialist and help you know to help you through your purchase. And I always thought that was a bit cheesy, but mm-hmm. Apple has one now as well. Bottom right the corner, there's a little face. You click on that, you can do online chat to talk about iPhone options, which is cool. Kind of funny. Yeah. And they released on YouTube a big video about switching from Android. So, like yeah. a you know a carefully curated ten minute video that talks about all these like question marks you might have if you're an Android user wanting to switch to the iPhone. Like really pushing the marketing on switching and stuff, which sometimes implies that they they having to give basically they need to give it a bit more oomph to get the shipments moving. So yeah. we'll see how that develops in time. Yeah, they all, I mean they all seem like positive improvements to to you know being a company that sells things. It's, for sure, it's, for sure. It's like it's not. It's not I mean, you already said it, but it isn't nearly as bad as like when the the 10s and 10r were, were were facing a lot of pressure and they went all out in like ten different ways and had mm-hmm. limited time sales on the website forever. Yeah, for sure. It was just funny timing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in the previous earnings call, i.e., last quarter, they said to expect around four to eight billion dollars in missing sales essentially due to supply constraints uh cook said that they managed to do better than expected there so their costs were lower than four to the four to eight billion dollar level although they didn't specify exact numbers uh iphone they had enough supply of but they didn't have enough of mac and ipad so they couldn't make a comment on demand for mac and ipad because they their supply was so constrained they didn't know where the demand limit was make of that what you will they did say there was weakness in the wearables home and accessories segment so that includes like airpods and apple watch um, Cook said that they're probably seeing some impact from macroeconomic factors there, maybe implying that like, well, people are still going to buy iPhones because they're so essential, but these like accessory products, maybe not so much. He also said that there was no AirTag launch this year compared to last year, so that also had a you know negative comparison on the percentages. Uh, wearables revenue is eight point eight eight point eight eight point zero eight billion, which is down eight percent. Uh, Mac revenue is down ten percent, but that wasn't too much of a surprise because a supply constraints and b pandemic sales are waning slightly right because everyone was buying new computers during the pandemic and it was the start of apple silicon ipad sales was 7.22 billion down 1.9 percent and services revenue was up 12 percent, which is a slowing of growth but obviously it's still in a positive direction uh they said that now they have a total of 860 million subscribers on their books which means if they carry on at the same rate they will cross 1 billion subscribers uh, sometime next year I hate this number because it's like, and this kind of tracks into the advertising stuff we'll talk about later, but like 860 million subscribers, we have no visibility into what percentage of those subscribers are from like Apple's own services, like iCloud, Apple Music, Apple TV, Apple One, and what subscribers are are accredited to App Store subscriptions because that 860 million includes every individual in-app purchase subscription made through the App Store. So by all intents and purposes, the vast majority of that $860 million number is from the App Store, and right. Apple's own services are much smaller. Like, we know roughly that Apple Music has somewhere around 80 million subscribers, but who knows about anything else? So maybe, like, 150, 200, if you're being generous, of that is, like, Apple's own subscribers, and the rest is the stuff they just, like, traffic through their store for a for a commission. I can't believe that, like, investors let them get away with this. Like, this is their, like, growth part of, the, of, their, of their business, and they only give that one number. They don't give end the revenue. They don't give any breakout whatsoever. Like, on the hardware side, you get separate revenue numbers for iPhone, Mac, iPad, wearables. Services has so many different components to it, and they're like, nope, all we were going to tell you is top line revenue. Everything else, you just have to guess and hope that we're doing all right. It's kind of crazy to me. I agree. Yeah. Uh, one part of services that was weak was digital advertising again we'll talk about it in a sec um but finally one th- final thing from the earnings call that i thought was interesting was that cook has this kind of like cookie cutter response to questions about uh, mna i.e like acquisitions but this time around his comments were slightly different he said to date we have concentrated on small ip and people acquisitions but we would buy something that is strategic to us and we never buy just a buyer for revenue purposes the big difference was to date and then he went on to say i wouldn't rule anything out for the future like <laughs> 
it doesn't obviously suggest that they are going to like buy something massive but the the wording of the comment did kind of imply that they were at least like more seriously considering something of a bigger value than they have in the past because in the past they kind of say like we buy small companies for technology blah blah blah, blah. but he was like to date we have concentrated on smaller intellectual property and it wasn't just me that like had this inference a lot of people who tweeted about it like that's he, he's saying something different there right and why would he say different words for unless there was actually a reason behind it mm-hmm. again if we if we're taking on the scale of apple's big acquisition the biggest one to date was three billion dollars uh for beats that was back in 2013 they still haven't done anything bigger than that which is crazy when you look at their every other like big tech company they they, they make acquisitions every year that are bigger than three billion um i think the second biggest acquisition apple had was the one billion purchase of the intel modem division a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and so apple probably count that as like a big acquisition um even though you know, it doesn't really make headlines in the scheme of things. It wasn't like flashy or entertaining, really. It was just like a small thing they picked up technology, but it's a billion dollars worth, right? So maybe his comments are more along that lines. They might be referring to the stake in NFL media that Apple's supposedly going to have to agree to to get the Sunday ticket package, right? So like some concession there where they invest a billion to the NFL, like business side. Um, or maybe it is actually something huge, like, another, you know, like buying out something big uh, as... As everybody knows, the tech stocks have gone down quite a lot. So if Apple was considering something that was just slightly too expensive before, now it might be more achievable for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. This this comment isn't saying it's definitely going to happen, but it was just interesting to me that the, he changed his wording because he he changed he, he speaks very deliberately, right? So you wouldn't change what you were saying on a, on a whim like that, right? the The beat still is three billion dollars, right? And mm-hmm. that was for uh, you know the hardware business headphones and the the, the streaming infrastructure that became Apple Music, and uh, and the NFL deal would be three billion dollars for one year of streaming rights. Is that correct? Yeah. So the NFL <laughs> wants you, the companies to pay between two and a half and three billion for the rights, and they also want separately them to invest like a billion or so into like the NFL company. Yeah. So they so, take like an ownership stake in the company, yeah. and they pay for rights every single year. Yeah. R- right. Yeah. So. It's- that alone is a lot of money. <laughs> when it's like annually, you know. I mean, I guess the, the second year, if they go that, if they went that route, you know, if, if Apple even gets this, would be would not be three billion dollars, but it would presumably be you know two billion or more. So, yeah, That's I mean, pretty- the yearly deal, the yearly deal would have been in the two and a half billion range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, whereas MLS was two and a half billion for ten years. <laughs> yeah, and that perspective- and, and MLB is like a billion for like seven years or something. So they're much more fry, but. Yeah, obviously that, send a ticket as the opportunity to make a lot more money that perspective of one year of nfl streaming rights being worth it to apple you know being equivalent to like buying beats entirely or buying next you know and but once a year <laughs> so, i guess it makes sense for them you know must. yeah apple's in, apple's acquisition of intel was one billion so that's half of one year of nfl right <laughs> yeah <But. laughs> that's what those things sell for and they obviously you know they're not going to make all their money back, but they'll make enough back for it to be for it to be worthwhile. Sure. Yeah, I don't want to speculate on random companies they can buy because they can buy if if they want to buy something they can buy basically any company in the world apart from the top like thirty because yeah. they have enough money to buy pretty much anything. <laughs> like they could buy out the entire NFL, including all the teams, if they really wanted to. Like you know, <laughs> so they have the means always to buy something. But it's it, and but that's been true for the last ten years, right? So yeah. it comes down to whether they actually have something strategic in mind and. Mm-hmm. We just have to wait and see for them to announce something like that. Happy Hour This Week is also brought to you by MindNode. Have you experienced a sudden rush of ideas? Perhaps you're on a walk or listen to a podcast and you become distracted or even excited by your thoughts. Ideally, you'd like to jot everything down and capture that moment in a structured way before it's gone from your mind. And that is where MindNode comes in. MindNode is the most delightful mind mapping and outlining app for your Mac, iPad, iPhone, and Apple Watch. And because it's available on all of your Apple devices, you'll always be prepared when inspiration strikes. Mind mapping is a great tool to gather your thoughts and visualize them, figure out connections and plan efficiently to achieve your goals. And you can also capture everything as an outline, useful for linear note taking, and all of your content is instantly mirrored as a mind map. Whatever the project, redesigning the kitchen or developing a new app, map out what you need and note down everything you need to make it happen. My maps are also great for writing. Plan the structure of your next story, article, or game. Gather all the characters, facts, anecdotes, and challenges into one place and keep expanding with new details, requirements, or thoughts. Each node of the My Map can have attached notes, links, images, attachments, tags, connections, or even one of My Node's 250 custom stickers. 
and you can fold away entire branches of your mind map to hide sections out of view, or use focus mode to stay concentrated on just one branch, the stuff that is most relevant to you right now. MindNode is a native app across macOS, iPadOS, and iOS, taking advantage of platform features like dark mode, scribble on iPad with Apple Pencil, and more, and of course with seamless cross-device sync. You can even sync tasks to the Apple Reminders app. MindNode has been recognized by Apple with Editor's Choice and App of the Day features in the App Store, and you can get it right now for free. Just download it from the App Store on iPhone, iPad, and Mac. Try MindNode today and get started on your next great idea. Thanks to MindNode for sponsoring the show. All right. And speaking of that ad situation, there's, there's a few things in the ad world around Apple happening this week. Uh, first, first one, you know, begins where we left off with the earnings call. What's that? Yeah. So Cook basically said in that services, like why services growth slowing. One of the things he called out as being particularly poor was digital ads sales market. And we've seen this from a lot of other companies as well. Um, basically, you know, as as companies rein in their spending, one of the first things to get cut is marketing budgets, right? Because that's not directly related to product and product um, fulfillment. So marketing gets shrunk, digital advertising revenue goes down. Plus, if you're talking outside of Apple, Apple's like app tracking transparency changes and stuff have made it more difficult for a lot of these third-party ad companies that are relying on, you know, personalized information to make their money. Now that ad tracking transparency is cutting that away, they're also making less money because they can't show advertisers that their ads are as effective as they once were. But back to the Apple situation, they literally announced on Thursday of the, of the earnings call that they're seeing a slowdown in digital ads. The very next day, they do a briefing with the press that more ads are coming to the App Store. <laughs> so <laughs> App Store search ads have obviously started in 2016 while Phil Schiller was still running the, you know, still... Um, the head honcho there. That's part of his takeover of the App Store, yeah. Yeah, that's part of his revamp of the App Store where they added the Today View tab and stuff. Search ads were a big part of that. And at the time in 2016, search ads were only available when you search for something. So you'd ser- you'd do a search query, the top result would be an ad, just kind of how like Google works. And developers have never been thrilled by that because you Never been to- thrilled. Yeah, you need to, well, for one, you know, if, if they search for your app, then your competitor can can target the keyword that is your app. And so it puts it one slot below the competitor. And if you want to do the same, then you've got to not only give Apple between 15 and 30 percent, but you've got to, you know, give Apple money to, just to play the search ad game. Um, and yeah, basically <laughs> some re- of your revenue that you make from the app store, you then have to re give back to Apple in ads to make right. sure that your visibility is staying the same. And if, if you're a developer and you're not thrilled with that, then you you definitely won't like this. Yeah, so 2016, they had the search ads only in the search. Then two years ago, they added a new search uh, ad placement, which was on the search tab, but it wasn't before you actually typed in a search query. It was just in that suggested section. And now they're going even further because they're adding sponsored ad placements in the Today View itself. So in that, in that scrolling thing on the first tab where you have those little like bubbles and they're like App Store editorial, well, now... Occasionally, you'll see an ad there. Uh, there'll just be ads of editorial with links to buying apps. And moreover, when you're on the product page of an individual application from any developer, there will now be a banner ad that someone's paid to place there. So it won't be at the very top of the product page. You have to scroll to the bottom. But in that place where it's like more from this developer, there now also be like a blue round rectangle ad for presumably a, comp- a competitor's application. Yeah. So, you know, I, I totally get the developer frustration with this. Um, as a user, just, you know, just as a consumer, the the app store ads are not nearly as bad as like any other ad on the Internet because they, they, they're app store ads for apps. They're not ad, ads for anything else. Um, and, and, you know, probably a lot of times they might be useful <laughs> or they're just like ads anywhere else. They're easy enough to ignore and scroll past. Um, once you get you know blind blind to them, um, seeing them in the in the today view, you just and again just from a con- consumer standpoint, no big deal because you know it's just more discovery. <laughs> it's just a different way of doing discovery. Um, on the bottom of an app store uh, app store listing, you know, for an app, um, once you get down there, you know, seeing an ad, I don't think that's that's terrible. Um, but it, I I totally get the the annoyance and frustration if you're a developer and you're having to face even more places where your competitors can use money to you know put their thing in right next to your thing. Yeah. So from the so from the consumer's perspective, App Store ads on the scale of like ads <laughs> of mobile ads, they <laughs> yeah. are they are pretty good, right? Because 
you know, they're more privacy preserving than competitors, and they're not like you know video banners and stuff flashing around. They're you know they they're quite restrained, and they are fairly marked as ads. Like they have the little like blue outline and the little ad text. Um, if you look at Google, like Google used to be like the crown jewel at this because like Google search ads in the old days they'd be like completely different color scheme. They'd be like yellow background, blue text. You know, completely independent from the page. As time's gone on it becomes harder and harder to spot the ads on a Google on a Google page. Like, it, sometimes it's just like the, the two letters of ad in the same color text, like not with even like a blue outline or anything. It's crazy. But App Store ads are not too bad on that spectrum. But from the consumer side, there's a very valid point that why should I be seeing ads at all in the App Store? <laughs> like, <laughs> I've spent, th- you know, hundreds, thousands of dollars on the device, like the Apple device, and then I go to the App Store... Surely the money Apple made from selling me the phone in the first place means they shouldn't need to shove ads down my throat in the App Store app. Well, Similarly, everything yeah. you see in the App Store app, Apple's making money off of. Right. <laughs> and if you want to avoid the App Store search ads, you don't have a choice because it's the only place where you can, like, there's no alternative App Store. If Apple made ads on the App Store way worse, you'd still have no choice but to use the App Store app because mm-hmm. as it stands today, there's no side-loading or alternative App Store situation or being able to download from the web. So... From the consumer standpoint, App Store ads are okay, but because they come from Apple, it's definitely a sore taste in your mouth, right? Sure. Yeah. The developer angle is like what I just said, but a million times worse because they are <laughs> the ones paying out the thirty percent every single time, and now yeah. paying you know effectively like forty percent just to because they have to spend like ten percent on marketing in the App Store ads. It's crazy. Yeah. And like, there's something like sacrilege, like putting it on the search tab. Okay, you know, putting it on the Today View ad. Okay, putting it on like the product page of your own application, yeah. that just stings so that's much. That's your like, hard work. That's, like... that's your hard work. <laughs> you've made the videos, you've made the screenshots, you've got people, you know, you've just paid to get people to click on your ad on the search tab for them to go to a page that will also have an ad on it for something else. Like, mm-hmm. it's like insane because the the App Store product page is the only way that you really get to have like a website for your app. Like, obviously you have an yeah. actual website, but what people are finding is not the web they're finding yeah. your page on the app store that and that listing I, is what you pay a hundred dollars a year for yeah and gradually apple's let you customize it more and more like they let you have screenshots and videos and you know links and stuff and some privileged developers even get like custom headers so they get you know the nice artwork in the titles and the logos and stuff i wish they'd open that up to all developers really i don't see why it should only be there for people that are like you know apple's best friends but regardless the app store product page that's where your business is that's where the buy button is right for your application that's where the download button is and for that to have an ad on it too is pretty insulting like it's great like if they if if they you know if they gave you the option you can put an ad on the app store product page and we'll give you a discount on your in-app purchases to make up for it at least then (laughs) you have an option i don't think it should be like well you're still paying the same percentage commission and here's an ad it's like come on come on yeah, it, when we first had the the news on this, uh, I first thing I thought about, you know, it's like okay, okay Apple's getting more comfortable putting ads in places, um, and, and and the App Store is sort of a unique situation because they're they're as native as it can be. You know, it's it's ads for apps, and you're in the App Store, so it doesn't feel terrible as if it were like ads for anything else in the App Store. Um, it, but think about if there's no ceiling for for what the the services revenue is supposed to be um there's no satisfying wall street for how much growth you can have then you can't imagine a world where apple finds in their view a tasteful way to have ads in apple maps for example you know only ads in search results and they have to be related to what you're looking for so if you're looking for a coffee shop then there can be a sponsored result that might not be the closest but it's the top result and it's marked as an ad apple could justify that in their view i think um and and the maps app when it was back mm -hmm. under google maps had sponsored places of interest search results And, and google maps is like big on it you know so you know ways as well which is you know owned by google but but those yeah obviously are... like the third like third party google maps does but like around 2010 2011 before apple switched to apple maps mm-hmm. the native like apple maps app that's obviously powered by google results had google ad placements in the search in the search history so if you go back far enough in time they've done it before and yeah i can't imagine them not doing it like ne- they're willing oh. to put like ads on the product page in the app store 
adding search results in maps seems like child's play you know <laughs> right right yeah. uh, and you know of course they made their own version of maps and and you know they, they probably one motivation for that was well there's you know there's sponsored stuff here and 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 this and the data from google uh but of course you know they say well the problem was that was google's <laughs> revenue not ours when it's ours it's not an issue so and this kind of ties into the other like hiring news so uh, Digiday had a report about Apple's um, like you know record accelerating hiring in the ads platform division. Which, if you remember, Apple's having a nice little like they, uh, as to use the Tim Cook quote, deliberate hiring choices. Well, one of the areas they seem to be very deliberately hiring is in the ads platform unit. Um, and what they seem to be building is a demand side platform, which is the kind of thing that Facebook offers to advertisers, where it's like algorithmically driven ad placement. So like you come with if you're an if you're an advertiser, you go to like this Facebook website, and instead of having to manually make ads for every single like demographic and market segment you basically say look this is my product use clever machine learning algorithms a b testing to get it to as many people as possible here's some money right go off and do it and then the the ad platform will come back to you and say look we've put it here and here and it was this effective but also if you did this this and this and paid us this money here and here and here we could also give it to all these people and with one button you can then like you know get reach out to even more people on their platform in ways maybe targeting keywords that you the human might not have thought of and stuff right so it's a big way to like keep advertisers on a platform and make them spend even money with them mm-hmm. uh, and it sounds like that's what apple is building and they're probably not building that just for the app store or search ads like that would be a part of it but this is like platform-wide venture almost certainly and like you said map seems like a very obvious place where it could go maybe they're going to do like a, a, an ad supported tv plus tier which, if you're getting, like, on, on, like maps in the App Store are, like, stupid, right? Because Apple's not going to give you any customer benefit for it. They're just, they're just ads in the App Store now, right? TV Plus tier, presumably the ad-supported tier would be cheaper, right? So that's the trade-off. If you wanted one, you can get it cheaper. So that's, I, I don't have a problem with them offering an ad-supported TV Plus tier because, A, you don't have to use TV Plus. It's not, like, the only way to get App Stores, like, the same way that the App Store is the only way to get, you know, software. Uh, and they're going to give you some money in return right they're going to give you a discount but that's clearly a way a place it could go maps is a place it could go they already have ads powered by nbc universal in the news and stocks app mm-hmm. maybe they're going to switch over to be run on their own ad platform and maybe super long term they want to try and do like iads 2.0 because they'd had an ad platform for third-party apps to put banner ads in their own apps uh, way back in the day that was called iad it kind of flopped because Apple went for like this really like boutique ad placement stuff where they were trying to give away like Nissan Leafs with every commercial and like you click on a banner and have this like super custom HTML5 experience and no one ever used it. So it just kind of fell away and fell into disrepute. But maybe now that they're embodied or buoyed on by the App Store search ads performance, which is believed to be valued at around a billion a year in terms of revenue at the moment, maybe they've got their eyes set on doing like iAds 2.0 or Apple ads for apps or something. So not only you can free apps uh give money to apple very net purchase they can also give them a cut of the ad revenue through banners placements and now for our non-paid subscribers a message from our sponsor <laughs> <laughs> finally this week we are sponsored by pillow more and more studies are showing that getting a good night's sleep improves your health and well-being in more ways than you can imagine pillow is an all-in-one sleep tracking app to help you be more aware of your sleep patterns and discover what might be affecting your sleep quality pillow tracks and analyzes your sleep automatically and you can check in with a full report of your sleep the very next morning if you have an apple watch tracking your sleep is as easy as wearing it to bed if you don't you can do it through the iphone or ipad app just tap one button to start your sleep session you can even record sounds of the night like sleep talking apnea or other noises that might be affecting how you sleep Use the Pillow app to check trends, get personalized insights, and compare your sleep metrics with your weight, steps, caffeine consumption, and more. Use smart alarms to get woken up at the most optimal time, aiming to wake you up when you're in a stage of lightest sleep. Importantly, Pillow is privacy-minded. All of your sleep and audio data is encrypted and stored on your device, and when it's syncing to iCloud, it's using end-to-end encryption. Pillow is free to download from the App Store, with a set of features that you can use for free every day. Try Pillow's premium features with a seven-day trial. Just visit pillow.app to get started. That's pillow.app to get started. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show. All right. And uh, lastly, we've got some news on uh, iPad OS 16 
Uh, Apple has opened Stage Manager to work on more than just the M1 iPads, and everyone is has rejoiced, and all is well in in the world. Uh, no, 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 no. no. They haven't right. announced anything of the sort, unfortunately. I think I got my news from somewhere wrong. I don't know <laughs> what's going on? That would have been nice. Maybe they still <laughs> will. You know, it's Beta Five. They could still do it, but so far they haven't announced any plans in that direction. But what Bloomberg reported is that iPadOS 16 is going to be delayed till October. So for the last few years, or most of the 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 history of iOS on the iPad, it comes out at the same time as the iPhone right in september alongside the iphone release but this year ipad 6 16 is getting delayed to october bloomberg said this is partly to prioritize iphone development so ios can get out the door in a good shape and then also to give more time for the ipad 16 features to get more time to be fleshed out bugs fixed etc so that that will currently be scheduled for october which is probably when they're going to bring out new ipads right so in a way, it kind of makes sense why they've, ne- why they've never done this schedule before because, you know, they time iOS 16 to come out alongside the new iPhone. It doesn't seem crazy for them to move iPadOS to October so that they can bring it out alongside new iPad hardware. It also makes the iPad even more like a Mac because, you know, Mac software always comes out around that October time frame as well. Like, mm-hmm. iOS was always first. So I don't think it's crazy they moved to October, but it is a break of tradition. It's not the first, first, first time that it's been separated out because they have, had, like, weird outliers like iOS 13, iOS 13 was development was running really behind. And so Apple basically hit a hard deadline of when they needed to get software burnt to phones that were shipping, i.e. the phones of that year had to come out, right? So they had to burn to the silicon something. And so they burnt a a very early build of iOS 13.0. And that came out alongside the iPhone release on like September 19th. And then less than a week later, they released iOS 13.1, which was the which was really meant to be the actual release version because that was it, it, that was what they'd spent the feature time in in the interim between when they had to burn the software onto the hardware and like the actual intended release time for iOS yeah. with it all being bug fixed. So in that in that year, iPadOS came out at the same time as thirteen point one, i.e., a few days later when iOS thirteen technically came out, but really that was never meant to be that that was never meant to happen. That was like last minute rush. This is obviously more meditated. They've realized, based on their schedule of work, iPadOS is going to October. Yeah. Uh, what well, I will say, though, yeah. if you are an <laughs> iPad user this year mm-hmm. and you don't have an iPad that can do Stage Manager or you do have an iPad that has Stage Manager and you don't really like Stage Manager, for the iPad specifically this year, it's kind of a bust for the software because you don't really get much else new apart from like a weather app. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you And if you do care so much that you'd be annoyed by... Uh, delayed release then you can enjoy the public beta or developer beta true true i think this goes back against like the ads thing it goes back to where the the bigger the bigger annoyance for for people involved in this is the developers that are that have new releases that are especially targeted toward ipad and there's there's trickiness whenever you release an app that's made for the next operating system especially and you can't right you launch it on the iphone but you can't launch it on the ipad for another month so yeah, there's some awkward there for sure. And I don't want to like totally belittle iPadOS 16 because obviously it gets the same improvements that iOS 16 get, like, you know, cutting out the subject and image, iCloud photo sharing. But the headline feature, sorry, iCloud photo shared photo library, that's what I'm going to say. That yeah. obviously comes to iPadOS 2. But like, it does feel kind of sucky that the lock screen stuff is not coming to the iPad this year. It's just like widgets when they did widgets first in iOS 14 for um, the iPhone and then it didn't come to the iPad until a year later. It looks like we're going to be on that schedule again where, you know, the iPhone gets all the fancy, cool, new lock screen stuff this year. The iPad gets nothing at all until maybe iPadOS 17 next year. Like, I, I'd i to be honest, as a more casual iPad user who isn't looking to boost productivity the most, I'd have preferred if they dedicated engine resources to just having the lock screen features be available this year on the iPad. Stage manager could wait till later as far as I'm concerned, to be honest, but that's <laughs> not what they did. And probably in overall strategy terms, probably not the right answer but in the perfect world you know they'd have enough engineering talent so that features on ios can come out on ipad at the same time but alas here we are the lock screen stuff would be really cute on an ipad mini though well just wait till 2023 <laughs> yeah <laughs> october 2033 <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> a yeah. month later than you already had to wait for. <laughs> the, uh, assuming they keep to the october schedule 
Yeah. The other thing in iPad news this week is that the iPad 10, how will Apple spell that with numerals or Roman numerals? Uh, we've reported on what this will look like. You know, we expect it to be, um, the, the first, you know, I guess entry level iPad, um, or 329 or somewhere thereabouts, uh, iPad that totally gets rid of the, at least like the, the sides and back design of, of the iPad since the iPad, you know, air, um, and, and instead look more like the iPad, you know, air of today and iPad uh, pro. So we, I think we've learned some things from this too. So what have we, what have we got from this, this schematic leak? Yeah, so my smart price had some CAD leaks, SCAD schematic drawings. They've had some pretty good on-target CAD leaks before, so, you know, I give them a lot of benefit of the doubt. Uh, yeah, you're right that it now has, like, flat side design. This is for the base model iPad, but it still has Touch ID, and it doesn't have, like, super thin bezels and stuff, so they've yeah, kind of given it the chassis. Of, like, yeah, they, they bring the chassis up to scratch, but, like, the front-facing screen is still in, like, the older, cheaper style, which is... You know, they can easily get away with that for at least one more year because, again, this is the 329 iPad, which is always good value for money. Um, uh, but what was kind of interesting is that if you look on the back, uh, the rear camera module is... So on the current iPad, it's just like a circle, like it's just the camera lens on its own. Well, what mm-hmm. they seem to have done here is elevate it into like a dual camera module, but there's no dual camera. So it kind of looks like the like the iPhone XS kind of dual camera thing where you had like the little like pill shape that, that was vertical. Mm-hmm. Um but it's not actually a dual camera. There's a there's a camera and then there's a hole. They the my the my sprite the the my smart price article <laughs> said that the hole was an LED flash. But I I think they might just be guessing that based on the pictures. When I look at the picture, it just looks like that's where the microphone's going to be because you know they sure. have those little like pinprick holes for mics. Maybe it's a flash, but at least when I look at it, it looks like a microphone. But yeah, they put it in the 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 raised rear camera module probably because the camera's higher quality so the lens needs more internal space that'd be my guess that'd be my speculation and the overall chassis of the ipad is getting a bit thinner so the ipad 9th generation is seven and a half millimeters the ipad 10th generation is 6.9 millimeters according to these cad leaks that's excluding the you know extra millimeter or two that would be the camera module so just the main body is a bit thinner which is cool yeah this this camera i would i would guess based on this information is designed like the camera on the current ipad air yes yeah. versus the ipad mini which has a flash as well <laughs> uh, so yeah i think the last time we talked about this based on our you know reporting you know learning about the the flat sides and the larger screen and USB-C instead of lightning um i don't think at that point we had information saying that it would keep the home button and the bezels around the display and so for me it was like well how are you going to sell something that looks a lot like the ipad air that costs a lot less uh and and it just seemed like it was really like either the ipad air gets a lot better which means the pro would get a lot better um or this thing costs much more and by having the same bezel design, you know, where it's thick on the forehead and chin and it's thin on the sides has a home button, uh, which means touch ID and not touch ID in the side button either. Uh, that that's probably a good way to keep the cost down is by using the, those other parts. And I think it's probably even a possibility that it's cheaper to make this style of iPad with their current machinery than it is to keep making the old style of iPad um oh what because like flat sides are less complex than curved yeah yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd agree with you there yeah yeah and, and i, I and mean the, i think that with them like you look at the like the the macbook air the new macbook air like mm-hmm. obviously fashionably it looks cool because it's different yeah. but probably does cost them less to make because it's just a <laughs> yeah. simpler design right the taper yeah. seems like a more complicated structure um, in terms of logic board and where stuff has to be placed and just like the metal itself whereas mm-hmm. you know new macbook pros new macbook air it's just a rectangle that's curved at the extreme edges and corners so yeah, yeah. And i'm not, sure and i'm not sure just, that apple tim cook's happy with the bill of materials going down sure and not just that the, that that it's cheaper to make flat sides i don't know you know probably but just that the rest of the ipad making machinery makes flat sides and so mm-hmm. you'd have you know i imagine there'd be a separate you know inherited line of machinery for making the other models um, and this maybe this helps with you know that last iPad was pretty hard to get to when it first came out the 329 one um, the current generation on iPad 9 I guess so maybe, maybe you know by taking this shape it's easier to make them in bulk you know don't know but it's a possibility 
Yeah, so keeping the touch idea around for another year, fine by me as long as the price doesn't go up. If the price goes up, mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 329. Did you, did you like that sound effect? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I did. 329 both feels like a, a very good value in Apple's lineup. And then for people who don't want to spend a lot of money, kind of a lot, you know, because it is more than it's over $300. If it was even just 299, it would, it would go down better. But um, this, this seems like a, 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 a nice upgrade <laughs> which because what it also means is flat sides apple pencil support apple pencil 2 support and you can finally get rid of the one that that uses lightning you you couldn't use the lightning one with a USB-C port ipad you know so it's all part of USB-C getting rid of lightning flat sides it's how you pair and charge it so probably all goes together and then lastly our beloved friend the apple tv is back with a new promotion. A new same promotion. So July, (laughs) (laughs) Apple did a rare promotion where they announced a $50 gift card giveaway with a repurchase of a new Apple TV HD or Apple TV 4K. They announced it on July 1st, and at the time it said it ran through July 14th. Indeed, on July 15th, it went away, and this was US only. But August fourth, uh, August first turn comes around, and then suddenly it's back again. And this time, gone for a limited time only. <laughs> yeah, gone for a limited time only, but back again. So again, the same fifty dollars gift gift card available in the US, and now also basically like Europe, on Australia, and Japan, and loads of other markets. Uh, you know, the exact value of the gift card varies depending on where country you are, but approximately fifty dollars off. And this one's set to run until August fourteenth. So we'll see again if it recurs for a third time. <laughs> And this is for the Apple TV 4K, the newest model. Yeah, or the or the HD. You can get either and get the gift card. And it just was fifty dollars. Fifty dollars. So yeah, you're going from one seventy nine to one twenty nine. <laughs> cool. Not, not terrible, but not I wouldn't terrible. rush to buy it. Not terrible. And and I know the day that the story went up, Amazon had a lower price. That was yeah. Like Amazon a- was selling it for one one nine without yeah, any gift card cash Yeah, actual cash. Yeah, not just Apple money savings. So, so yeah, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I want an Apple TV, uh, you buy it if you're really desperate. But I mean, there's loads of rumors that there's going to be a refresh this fall, and which is what part of those rumors like are. It's going to be cheap. <laughs> yeah, this, this seems like moving inventory out of the way for that. It does seem like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> if hopefully the actually new cheaper model is even cheaper than 129 but if it's 129 i'd take it but yeah we'll see yeah all right well that is the happy hour podcast for this week if you enjoy the show please um subscribe in your in your podcast player if you subscribe at apple podcast you can pay 499 per month or 49.99 per year for the ad-free version we appreciate everyone who does that it helps support us directly. We also appreciate everyone who supports all of our sponsors, helps us keep the podcast going. Uh, if you have any feedback for the show, you can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. And I'm on Twitter at ApolloZac. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at BZMAO. And we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.